following podcast is a Honey Media production. Outdoor Movies by You is not just your average rental company. We consider ourselves an outdoor movie event company. Starting in 2011, we created the idea of bringing the movie theater to your backyard. Other than maybe a park with a ton of strangers, no one really knew what the outdoor movie was. With having over 30 years of experience of being a social event planner, Carrie combined the two and has created an event company that focuses on the outdoor movie concept. Simple options to choose from, just the basic, the actor, to having it all, act two, in and out burger packages. We offer seating, swag bags, s'mores, blankets, you name it, we can get it. We like to think of ourselves as a one-stop shop. Oh, and free popcorn with every event. We have no area boundaries from Santa Barbara to San Diego and everywhere in between. Once the pandemic hit, we had never seen anything like this. Our business grew by leaps and bounds as it was the safest way to entertain. We felt that we were putting laughs and smiles on faces in such a dark time. Whether it's a date night for two or a school with a thousand, Outdoor Movies by You will roll out the red carpet every time. See us in action on Instagram at Outdoor Movies by You. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome back to Motherhood Interrupted. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for tuning in. We are here to talk all about our Aspen trip. So, have you guys ever been to Aspen? Because this was our very first trip, and let me tell you, it was nothing like I thought it was going to be. Okay, so let me just kind of set the stage. Brian and I had baby London a year and a half ago. She's actually technically 21 months old, so not quite two yet. Remember, leading up to London, we had kind of started IVF and then got delayed because I needed to have double vaccination in order to do the embryo transfer. So long story short, we go through COVID, then we have a baby and we were finally going to take a big trip with Carter and Charlotte. We decided to leave baby London home and thank God we did. Of course, any one of you guys would know that leaving a baby home, it's like, you know that it's for the better in some ways, but you still end up feeling mom guilt. So I was just like, you know what? I think the big thing was, one, she's not gonna remember it, but also just the expense of adding another room. Then we were gonna have to add our nanny and get you know, a plane ticket. So just all these different expenses, and then it's gonna be freezing, and it's just gonna be so much, and what's really the benefit, right? So. The thing that really tipped me over the edge though, aside from the money and the logistics was Charlotte had said to me leading up to the trip, she's like, is baby London coming? And I was like, I said, I'm not sure why. She goes, please don't bring her. I'm like, why? Because Charlotte loves the baby. She goes, just because she cries and I want time with you. And so I could just see, I really needed to just take time for Carter and Charlotte because the baby obviously takes a lot of attention away. And so I just thought it was really important and really, It just made more sense for me to take time and spend time with Carter and Charlotte and leave the baby at home and just keep it easy, et cetera. Okay, great. So who was watching London? Becky. Becky, we've talked about many times. She's been on the podcast and she basically was our live-in nanny that became a night nurse. 
and her last family ended up going back overseas where they came from and so she had a little break in her schedule until her next job starts in the next couple months so we got to have her back so we got on her calendar and thankfully becky was back to watch london so that was awesome okay so we ended up going to aspen a couple weeks before their school break because for five years i've been dreaming about going to aspen and staying at the saint regis so i was on the marriott app back in like september october and i was looking for rooms and they were like three thousand dollars a night for a basic room i'm talking double beds nothing fancy the most standard of rooms so i had been kind of looking and looking for many years I feel like each season I keep trying to book this trip and it just keeps being so way crazy priced or completely sold out. So I guess back in September, October, when I was looking, I just started playing with dates and I found rooms on like December 8th through the 12th for like $500 a night. And I was like, I just booked it, right? So we book it. So we end up going before it gets crazy but we had to make sure that the the mountain was open because sometimes the rates are really low because the mountains aren't open yet so initially we actually had the week before and we weren't sure if the mountain was going to be open so then we pushed it one week later and thankfully got such a good rate so that's how we ended up going and we got one room now i will say our room was had double beds and it's way too small for us like we cannot so i would say that's one thing that we're going to change in the future is no more small rooms that's definitely not happening again because brian and i are just way too big and the kids are way too big at this point okay so cut to we finally are ready to go and we do all the Black Friday shopping, we get the kids ski clothes. You know, ski trips are really just intense when you have kids. And honestly, Brian and I are not like crazy professional skiers at all. We went last year to Mammoth with the kids and the baby, and that was a lot, but I mean, we enjoyed it. But I would say for Mammoth, I'm not doing a drive for five hours plus with the kids again. I would rather maybe fly. But then I think there's like prop planes and stuff, so I don't really know. So anyway, so we go, so we go to Aspen. We get on the flight. Now from LAX, it is an hour and a half flight. Super easy, super chill. I'm like, we we got this. So I do see on the weather, I see on like the, you know, Aspen weather, like I'm not looking into it in depth, but I just see, okay, it's gonna snow. I'm like, that's fine, snow's fine. It's you know, it's it's not dangerous weather, like supposedly the worst weather to fly in is lightning. And that was told to me by a pilot when we, when I used to fly for work all the time. So I was like, not really worried. I'm like, okay, a little light snow, that's fine. So we get everything all ready to go. We pull the kids out of school, packed. We got our new luggage, you know, all the things. We The day arrives, the kids have been asking for literally two months. How many days until Aspen? How many days until Aspen? Okay, great. So we finally go, we have a decent flight we're about to land and Charlotte's like oh are, when are we going to be in the clouds I'm like well we're above the clouds we're about to go down and then you know when you're flying and you're in the clouds and it's like all white but then you come out of it and you can see the ground so we had seen the ground then we were in then we were in the clouds and I looked down and it's like we're not getting out of the clouds I'm like okay that's weird you know like when are we going to see the ground again so anyway, I'm like, okay, that's kind of weird. And next thing I know, we're like flying 
and we go to land and all of a sudden the nose goes back up so i'm like okay why what, what just happened like we just missed our landing or something just happened and i look up and i look around and all the other adults that like you can tell are experienced flyers we all just kind of look at each other and i'm like okay we just had a missed landing obviously and like are we going to circle around maybe they're waiting for another plane to land and we're going to just kind of hover for a little bit and wait our turn and just land and land again in a few minutes and so at this point we're all a little bit uneasy like what is going on so finally the pilot gets on and essentially says we're diverting to denver it's going to be 20 minutes and we're like what and they come back on and essentially end up explaining that it wasn't good visibility so they couldn't land so they are going to divert us to denver so i'm like okay so charlotte immediately by the way starts bawling she starts bawling I'm like, Charlotte, honey, it's fine. It's okay. We'll get on another flight and we'll make it to Aspen. I want to be in Aspen. I don't want to be in Denver. And it was just kind of surprising. So anyway, so I'm like thinking, okay, it's not a big deal to miss your flight or to miss a landing, to be diverted. It's not a big deal. Worst case scenario, our flight gets canceled today. We hop on another one tomorrow. You know, it's not ideal, but I'm not going to panic about it because I don't want to panic the kids. Meanwhile, I'm thinking, okay, this does mess up our trip because we had five days and four nights there. So, and one of the five days was our first day, Friday. And of course, every single thing was booked perfectly because I worked with the concierge. So the first day we were supposed to get settled in and go try on our skis, get fitted, and then go to like this awesome pizza place and just have like a chill day. But the big thing was just getting all of our ski equipment. So I'm like, okay, worst case scenario, like we'll just do it earlier in the morning. Okay, so anyway, cut to now we're in the airport. So we're in Denver. And honestly, the biggest thing I'm really thinking is like, thank God we're safe because I I just, you know, in light of the Kobe Bryant thing and not having good visibility, it does make you think like, okay, at least we're safe, right? So I'm not really freaked out. You know, we're sitting in the airport and they're basically, they're not canceling our flight, they're delaying it. Well, they, you know, we keep getting to the point where we're supposed to board and then they delay it another hour. So we end up getting our flight delayed three times and it ends up being six hours. So we were only, I think the second flight into Aspen or maybe even the first, um, we were supposed to land at like one. Our flight took off at 10. And I think with the time change, we were going to land at one or 1230 or something. And so anyway, we're at Denver airport. So now we landed at like one, 130, keep being delayed. People are all sitting around. And after, you know, a couple hours of all this, we're like, we start chit chatting with our neighbors, you know, like one couple, they have a newborn baby and we're like talking about, thank goodness they didn't bring their older kid too, just like we didn't bring London. They have a three-year-old, we have an almost two-year-old and the newborn's much easier and all of that. Then there's another group of women, mostly, predominantly women, not all women. There's, I think, one or two guys with them. And I realized, oh, they're all together. I'm like, oh, are you guys a bunch of friends traveling? But then they're all on their laptops. They end up being from Revolve Clothing and Forward, which, if you don't know what that is, I don't know if you're living under a rock, but um, it's a publicly traded company and Forward is uh, the sister brand to Revolve Clothing and it's where I get all of my dresses, 
well, I, I don't get everything on forward. I get everything usually on Revolve. They have the best return policy. You can get a bunch of things and return them since you can't try it on. They make it super easy. They have the best customer service. They have the best selection of all different brands. It's awesome. Um, so anyway, I was with those, that awesome group and they're like, yeah, we're here to stand up a pop-up store in Aspen. And I'm like super impressed. And we end up like joking after multiple hours of just kind of waiting and being disappointed. You know, I'm joking with them. I'm like, hey, is there like a niche for an influencer that's like, you know, pushing 40, an exhausted mom, no makeup, uh, you know? And they're like, and some of the girls are like, wait a minute, you're describing us. I'm like, nailed it. Like, we're the new influencers. And we're all joking and just like totally just cracking up and trying to make the best of it. Everyone's trying to like re up on their caffeine intake. And like, we're just kind of waiting it out because all the while the airport, the, um, the team at the airport they're like well a lot of times we'll get like a one or two hour window where we can go back and like land real quick and so we're trying to get you guys into aspen so we're like still hopeful but like i said ends up by six o'clock they cancel the flight and all the while there were people like slowly peeling off and they were saying if you want to get your luggage and not wait for the for the flight to be like you know actually going then you can get a car there, but it's a five hour drive, but we can give you your luggage, but it'll take one or two hours for us to take your luggage off the airplane. So I'm like, I'm not gonna drive five hours and I'm not gonna do this thing where I take off our luggage and it takes two hours anyway, plus you add another five hours for a drive. Like, no, we're gonna wait it out and see if we can land. And if not, we're gonna book a hotel. You know, they had like a Marriott or a Westin attached to the airport. I'm like, we're just going to go on a flight tomorrow. Like if worst case scenario, we miss one night and like we miss half of a day or whatever. But like, I'm not trying to like drive through a snowstorm. So anyway, all these things are happening. Whispers, people are just trying to figure out what what's going on. But finally, when they cancel it, they're like, you need to go to customer service and go get your luggage. It'll take one or two hours. I'm like, okay. So I'm thinking... We're gonna go get our luggage. We're gonna we're gonna book a room for five hundred dollars a night at the Westin attached, and we're gonna get on the first flight out tomorrow. Not a big deal. Thankfully, we had booked through American Express, so I'm going over to customer service. Everyone's rushing over to that desk, and it's a little ways away. It's like several, it's like ten or twenty gates away. So we're kind of like speed speeding our way over there, and I'm on with Amex. And as we're kind of waiting in line at customer service in the airport, they're like, Amex is like, well, there's the problem is there's four of you and there's no other flights to take, not tonight and not tomorrow. I'm like, there's not a single flight you can get us on, all four of us at any point tomorrow or tonight. They're like, no, because there's four of you, it's gonna be impossible, they're all sold out. And I'm like, yeah, but they canceled our flight, so in theory, shouldn't they be putting us booking us on another flight they're like if there's something available they should technically have to do that so we get up there and we talk to customer service and they're like there's only there's no flights available on any airline for all four of you and I'm like okay how about tomorrow they're like no there's nothing on any airline I'm like you're kidding so they end up saying there's um the Grand Junction which is essentially like you would land there and it gets you halfway there, but then you have to rent a car and drive two and a half hours. And that flight doesn't leave till eight o'clock. And like, I'm like, this is 
none of this is adding up. So then Brian's like, let's book a rental car. Just book it with Amex. So I'm on with Amex. I'm like, can you please book a rental car? It's like $350. They book it. It's like an SUV. And I'm thinking there's no way we're driving there. Like I'm not having Brian, no offense, but like we're LA people. We're not used to driving in the snow. And I'm just like, this whole thing is just falling apart before my eyes. So then I get to the point where I'm like, and, and by the way, the line behind us starts to fill up and you can see the panic in people's eyes because nobody knows what we're going to do. We're just literally stuck in Denver, Denver airport and we have no backup plan and they have no contingencies and they have no help and they have no options for us. And so everyone's kind of starting to panic because one girl, she was by herself with her two kids, one woman. Um, so basically spending the night was no longer an option because there was no flights the next day. So I'm like, okay, how about a flight back to LA? They're like, we don't have one until tomorrow. I'm like, okay, so now we're actually stuck and this is a disaster. So they're like, we can release your luggage. It'll take one to two hours. And we're like, okay. So then they say, go down to baggage claim and meet with the customer service people down there. And we're like, okay. So we go down there, almost everyone from our flight goes down there and it's just, nobody knows what's going on still. So all we know is we have a canceled flight and we need to somehow figure out our luggage and we have no ability to get on any flight to Aspen in the next couple days. So this quickly, it's starting to shape up as you're either gonna go home or you're going to get on, you're, you're gonna either spend the night and somehow drive yourself tomorrow or you're gonna drive it drive now and so we're chit-chatting with the revolve forward girls and they're like we just booked a sprinter van for fifteen hundred dollars and do you want the car company's information and i'm like yes we want it like we want that information because i'm thinking if we're driving i would prefer like a group that or a driver that knows how to take this drive so long story short we end up booking they quote us thirteen hundred dollars for just me and our family of four because we don't have london so it's only four of us Book a car for $1,200, we negotiate, okay? We negotiated it down. They wanted $1,300 plus tip. We said $1,200 including tip, they took it. So it was a debacle. Our other friends were like, we're getting an Uber for like, you know, half the price with their newborn. And so they had a little group. And so I don't know why, but instinctively I'm going, if we're gonna drive through a snowstorm right now, which is giving me a complete meltdown and panic attack moment, uh, I think we should at least get everyone's numbers in different cars because if there's, should there be a, some kind of major issue, we can kind of keep each other in the loop and just have more eyes and ears. I start texting my family. Uh, they're, you know, kind of our, our, our new friend, newfound friends. I texted them their contact info. Should anything happen to us, they at least have someone to call. So it just started to, like, we quickly went from, like, we're chilling over a canceled flight to, like, we're almost in, like, we're basically starting to go into survival mode, all of us. We're like, okay, what's your phone number? Okay, you're going to be in a sprinter. All right, we're leaving five minutes before you. You know, be in touch. And then it was just, it just started to like quickly rise and escalate. And like the anxiety you could see like was rising. So we end up going first. We get our car. We end up going first. We say bye to our friends. I'm like trying not to panic, but I'm kind of panicking. Um Thankfully, we have this Escalade, or it's like a Suburban. It wasn't an Escalade. It was a Suburban. It was a very nice car. It was sturdy, most importantly. That's all we really cared about is, like, something safe because we have our kids. And this guy, thankfully, had – he starts driving. And as we're driving, it's, it's like, at first, we're not in the mountains yet. But, like, we're driving for, like, the first, like, 
30 minutes or so and it's okay and all of a sudden it starts really snowing and you know when it starts to snow you know the roads get slippery and i'm just literally having starting to have like a serious panic attack so then we start going up the mountains so now we're in our first 45 minutes of the drive and all of a sudden it's really snowing and you see these semi trucks and the wheels are starting to spin in the middle of the road like the semis are starting to basically completely struggle to the point where they're blocking the entire like couple lanes and it's like one like each every couple moments I look over and I see another car that's stalled another car that's pulled over you know this car's putting on chains this car's stalled this semi stalled and I'm like oh my god this is like going from bad to worse then we start texting our friends our friends are like on this other rogue route on the 6 freeway not on the 70 70 freeway and our driver's like and they're the ones with the newborn and I'm like worried about the baby and I'm worried about them. And like, I'm looking on the map and like that route looks very sketchy and like very windy and I know it's snowing and they're in an Uber. And then our driver's telling us that's not the safest route. Of course, I'm not telling them this, right? So I'm just like left and right, I'm melting down and I'm trying with all of my heart not to panic because if obviously if I panic, it's not gonna help our kids. So I'm just like deep breathing and wishing I was like, had some kind of anti-anxiety something. And I'm just like, in this at this point, I'm just like, I'm just gonna text my friends, let them know how things are going for us. And like, just it just like distracted me. So I'm like texting Chutney, who was from Revolve and Forward. And like, they were behind us by seven minutes. And I'm telling them, I'm going, okay, we're going underneath this tunnel and like we're giving them the play-by-play because we're ahead of everybody. And like all of a sudden we realize our friends in the sprinter van from Chutney and um, April and some of the other guys from Revolve and Forward, they end up saying like, we haven't moved. I'm like, oh, it gets a little congested because there's a bunch of cars stopped. Like it's going to be fine. Like, And like, so then finally after like an hour and a half, like it starts to be better weather but it's still snowy, but it's not like horrifying. And we're in the mountains driving and our friends are still stuck. And they're like, all of a sudden, like we're almost at Vail at this point, which is essentially halfway through or halfway there. And like, we're about to stop at like a gas station and our friends, our other friends with a newborn baby, they end up kind of being like 20 minutes behind us. So they got off that horrible freeway and they, so like the, the out of the three cars, the, like the first, the leading two are good. But all of a sudden, and I mean, by the way, the, I'm paraphrasing a lot of this, but like we are, there's a lot of contentious texts happening. Like we're all kind of panicking, but eventually like halfway through all of this, like after two and a half hours, we kind of start to feel like a little bit calmer because the snow slows down and it like gets to be a lot less crowded. And so we stop and we like have a rest stop finally. We get our dinner, which was basically all this junk food from like con- the convenience store and so like we're feeling okay i'm starting to realize our driver has done this for 20 years he's like an amazing guy and thank god for him and then chutney texts she goes we haven't moved for two hours and i don't have the heart to tell her girl we're halfway there i'm like what do you mean and i'm thinking do they have to pee like what is going on and so i don't know if they're and our driver goes oh sometimes they'll shut it down for six hours i'm going oh my god these poor people i hope to god that they're okay we're in a snowstorm you know, they're trapped in a car in a snowstorm, like on this mountain. 
it was just, I'm telling you, it was horrifying. And it's like very cold outside, as you can imagine. So I'm also worried, like, are they going to be physically okay? Like, I'm just like having nightmares, like total panic attacks. And anyway, so long story short, it's hour three, it's hour four. We're finally like on our last hour, we've made it through all the major hoops. And he keeps telling us like, this bridge is like the last, like, scary part and like just there kept being milestones throughout so it was just like a very suspenseful stressful situation and now it's like 11 p.m 11 30 and we finally by the grace of god make it and our friends are like with the baby with the newborn baby they're like 15 20 minutes behind us and they make it and so we like check in our room quickly we go down by the fire i have not drank in five weeks because i had this whole GI issue. I didn't even tell you. I was like in the hospital. It was a whole thing. So anyway, we end up like Brian goes upstairs with the kids and I'm like, I'm having a beer and I need to get warm and I need to calm down because I am 10 out of 10 stressed out at this point and I'm like literally traumatized from this entire experience. So our friends walk in and like we're hugging. We're like, thank God you made it. Like the baby's okay. It was just like we sit down by the fire. It's like 11.30. It's last call. We barely get a drink. Brian, oh, Brian did get a drink and went up with the kids and they just need to go to bed. And like, it just was like, I can't even explain the stress and trauma of the entire scene. It was such a scene. We were all so traumatized. And so we all get around the fire and like, it starts to be like midnight, 12.30. I'm like, our friends are finally like moving and on their way. And so Chutney and team, they were on their way in the sprinter van. And all of us were just like, okay, we can't, we wanted to wait up for them, but we were like, we have to go to bed. So that was that night. We're all sitting around. And like, as we're sitting around though, before we go to bed, like slowly but surely more people start rolling in and like being like, hey, I saw you at the baggage claim. Hey, you were on our flight. Ends up being, you guys, literally 25 people we counted. It was like five or six cars that were on our same flight that just experienced the same thing. And as they all roll in and get settled in and like have a drink and sit down by the campfire, we all start to just bond so hard over like all the trauma and the drama and we're giggling and we're introducing ourselves and we're like, oh my, I'm like, you guys, you realize we are forever trauma bonded by this experience. Cause that's what it was. We're all traumatized and we just got everybody's kind of backstory and it just ended up being the craziest thing. Like there was this guy, Adam, and he didn't have his luggage. Oh yeah. Keep in mind. I forgot to tell you. So keep in mind the luggage. None of us, not a single one of us, including the family with the baby, Justina, she and her husband, Scott, had their baby, Penelope. They call her Penny. And I'm worried about them having all their baby stuff. Thankfully, they did. Ashawn is with them. And so that's like that group. And so not a single one of us all had our luggage. Nobody had luggage. So they, what they told us at the airport is, we're not releasing your luggage. We told you we would, but we're not. We're going to send it on a truck. So cut to, they said the luggage would arrive at the Aspen airport. It would leave Denver at 8 p.m. and it would arrive at 3 p.m. Or sorry, 3 a.m., the middle of the night. And we're like, fine. In the morning, we're going to get our luggage. It's all good. You know, one rough night in our like clothes, like not a big deal. Like it's fine cut to the next day our luggage is nowhere to be found you guys 
it is now the day that we're supposed to be skiing. It is our ski day. It's Saturday. It's supposed to be where we already were fitted. We had a car that was going to pick us up to take us to the mountain to snowmass. And we had ski lessons all set. We were going to take this roller coaster ride afterwards at the top of the mountain, like have the best lunch, have the best dinner. Like we have this whole day planned and we wake up and we have nothing. We are literally, I'm wearing an aloe sweatshirt and Uggs. I'm wearing um, aloe leggings. We don't have a jacket. We don't have gloves. It's five degrees outside. My children are in a similar state. None of us were prepared. Even if we had gate checked or um, brought on our carry-on. So a bunch of our friends had carry-ons and they all had to gate check them because the plane was, for whatever reason, they it wasn't too heavy, but they had to gate check. Long story short, even if you had a carry-on, your stuff didn't make it. Every single out of 25 of us, not a single one of us had a change of clothes. We didn't have an extra anything. Nothing was with us. Everything had been stripped from us. So now, cut to it's Saturday morning. I have to go to the concierge in the morning. I'm like, we have no clothes. We have no luggage. We cannot go skiing, at least not for now. Can you please cancel everything? They cancel our car. They cancel our reservations. They cancel the kids' lessons. They cancel everything, our passes, everything. Um, Brian, after after all this, he's like, I'm going to take the kids to go get jackets at least, and we need to just keep this keep the train moving because we have no idea where luggage is. So finally, I go to the airport, and a bunch of luggage makes it up on a truck, as they said, at 10 a.m. So maybe a third of the people get their luggage, and I don't know why all the luggage didn't make it. They probably didn't have enough space. So a third of our friends get part of their luggage. So now it's like midday and I'm on the phone with the airlines and essentially fast forward, but all day long I'm on trying to locate our luggage and trying to understand is it, they keep telling me it's gonna be on the next flight. It's gonna be on the next flight and they're giving me the flight number and they're giving me the claim number and it's this whole thing. I go back, finally, I'm about to go back to pick up luggage. They said at least one piece of luggage, I think it was gonna be Carter's, was going to be on the flight. And I'm like, okay, at least we can get the kids like pajamas and jackets and socks. Meanwhile, Brian's still shopping for the kids. And now I'm like, okay, it's freezing. I am not dressed for this weather. I'm like, I need to go shopping and just get myself a jacket and boots just so I don't like, I don't slip regardless of what happens. Cause we have no idea when our luggage is coming. So I go across the street to this place called Christie's. Keep in mind, it's my first time in Aspen, right? I'm like, I walk in, I point to the first jacket I see. It's like a really nice blue jacket, puffer jacket. And I look over, I'm like, I'm going to get that. And I'm like, I need a pair of nine Sorrels. Like, give me just some like snow boots and a jacket and let's just move on so I can at least like go to the airport and not, because at this point I'm like, my lips are turning blue anytime I go outside. So I look at the jacket after they like pulled it aside. It's $750. I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, never mind. I'm not going there. So I go and I start walking three blocks and it's snowing and I'm fr literally freezing and I'm in an aloe sweatshirt, not a heavy sweatshirt, just a regular sweatshirt and leggings and Uggs. And I'm literally, I'm like, my lips are turning blue. I need to just buy some damn clothes. So I go to where Brian had gone with the kids and end up getting a jacket. And again, they're like, $300. I'm like, deal. It's a, what a steal. $300 jacket. I'm about to buy Brian some like underwear and some thermals and some basics, but everything's so expensive. And I'm still on the phone 
believe it or not, with United Airlines. And we, and keep in mind, every single step of the way, all the locals are going, oh yeah, your luggage is lost. Oh yeah, your flight. Oh, everybody knows about that. Even if you fly private, like Aspen's the hardest place to land. A lot of people just fly right into Denver, have a car and, you know, and drive up here and they plan for it. And so I didn't, Apparently, this is like a very known issue, and that's why I'm doing this podcast, is because I want to tell everyone, PSA, we were flying the only direct flight from LAX to Aspen. That was recommended by our friends. The problem is, it's 50-50 if you're going to land. And so you have to be prepared to not land, or you just go right into Denver and be prepared for a five-hour drive and have a driver. Um, So... The whole thing was incredibly, like, I just, we couldn't locate our luggage. It was getting cold. Brian's spending thousands of dollars with the kids. They're telling us we'll get reimbursed. The guy on the phone tells me from United, he tells me that, he goes, oh, well, we'll reimburse you guys. Like, what what budget do you need? Like, we could give you, what, like $100 a person? I'm like, sir, I'm in Aspen. $100 a person isn't going to buy me socks here. I'm like, we need like $3,000. Everything here is literally thousands of dollars. And he was like, okay. And he like writes down $3,000. And finally, I get so frustrated. I'm sitting, I'm back in our hotel, in our lobby. Okay. And keep in mind, it's the St. Regis. And it's a very she-she hotel and a she-she town, which I didn't fully appreciate until I was there. And I finally get so upset. I go, because they finally say to me, just wait another six to eight hours to get an update. I'm, and it's like the end of the day. And I've spent my entire day trying to figure out where is our luggage and what are we doing here? And you know, our whole first two days were already destroyed. And they say that and I hit the roof and I finally start screaming, ma'am, don't you understand? I have been, and I start rehashing our whole debacle. I'm like, I can no longer sit here and wait I am sitting here in crusty two-day underwear. It is unacceptable. You cannot tell me to just keep waiting. I need an answer. I have dirty, crusty underwear. Do you know what that's like? I can't flip it inside out another time. And I realize I'm screaming because I'm on my headsets and I look around everyone in the lobby staring at me. Then behind that, enter the black tie wedding. Yes, so now people start coming down and their ball gowns. And I am standing here screaming about my crusty underwear. Okay, that was me, your friend Kimberly. It was me screaming at the black tie wedding at the St. Regis Aspen about the dirty, crusty underwear. So finally I got my point across, got escalated multiple times. I go back to the airport. They tell me our stuff, at least one bag, if not two are gonna be on, on this flight. I get there, the flight's delayed. I'm waiting patiently. Then someone, a butler from the St. Regis comes up to me and she goes, your your stuff is not on this flight. I was just informed. I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna wait anyway. And then she comes back, she goes, actually it is on this flight. I'm like, great. Long story short, a bunch of my friends end up at the airport too. Yeah, they all got their luggage. Guess who didn't get a single piece of luggage? Not one, not one piece. And it's five o'clock. So we've missed our dinner reservations yet again. We've missed our entire day. I finally at least have a jacket. I don't have shoes. I don't have anything else. I don't have underwear, as we know. And we go back to the airport or we go back to the hotel. 
and everyone just like feels so bad for me. Like people are starting, it's Saturday night in Aspen and people start showing up to the lobby, you guys, in their furs, their real furs, unapologetically. They're wearing their head furs, their fur jackets down to the floor. They're in Fendi, they're in Bottega Veneta, they're in Prada. I'm talking to the nines. These people are from Paris. They're from all over the world. Literally, the NHL players are there. The black tie wedding's going on. And me and my children and my poor husband look like we're homeless. We are standing in the freaking lobby begging to just get a ride to a dinner, which was not our planned dinner. And we just, we look disgusting. We are broken. We look homeless. It was the most humbling, sad scene. Like, I have no makeup on. I mean, I will tell you, I did take a shower, thankfully. But like when you are in the most glitzy, glamorous ski spot and everyone's dressed up, decked out in their diamonds and their furs and their makeup and their lip gloss and their shiny hydrated faces and you're just standing there broken, it is the most degrading, demoralizing experience. You want to keep yourself humble, lose your luggage in Aspen for two days. So we go to a dinner broken and shallow and we come back to the hotel and I see our concierge and I said Max you planned the best trip for us and this has been the worst experience every single thing you and I planned together the last couple weeks which was amazing has been canceled this is the worst trip I hate this town and I never want to come back again I want to go home and he just looked at me and he felt so bad because I was like basically in tears I'm like we canceled every single fabulous thing I'm wearing dirty underwear. Everybody here is fabulous and we're not. And we don't have luggage and we just spent $3,000 just to get basic shoes and jackets on our children. This is the worst trip I've ever had. And he just like looked heartbroken. This guy, Max, that was the best concierge. I'm like, I'm very sorry, Max, but this is just, I, I've been beaten down the last two days and I don't have it in me. Now I need to go to bed in my aloe, crusty underwear, dirt ridden clothes. And he just like was speechless. So I walk upstairs with the kids. We get in bed. It's nine o'clock. Well, he calls me to say, I'm going to deliver milk and cookies if you don't mind, because I want you to know that this is a winter wonderland and I want you to experience something positive. I'm like, okay, fine. Send it up. Someone knocks on our door. It's like 915. I know it's going to be him. I look out. It's Carter's luggage. Shakoya, the best news ever. We get one piece of luggage. I'm like, okay, we can divide up Carter's stuff. Charlotte can wear it. It's fine. Like, at least she has some ski stuff for the morning. Great. At least the kids can go skiing. Like, there's hope. That's great. The kids are so tired. Then he, Max delivers himself personally the milk and cookies and wine. So we all start noshing on that. An hour later, a knock on our door. It's now 10-something. We're basically sleeping. Two pieces of luggage arrive and finally the third so all throughout the night all of our luggage slowly was arriving like after an hour and like it's like 11 p.m we finally got all of our luggage and we were so tired we didn't even change into fresh pjs that night so that was our big aspen trauma and i just have to say shout out to everyone we trauma bonded with this was 40 minutes of me recounting our 
horrific experience in Aspen. I'm also texting our friends who are madly in love with Aspen. They got engaged and married and fell in love in Aspen. It's their happy place. And I'm telling them, I hate Aspen. This is the worst trip I've ever been on. And they're like feeling so bad. And so that was the first half of our Aspen trip. And I'm going to pause here and leave part two for what happened next in Aspen. Thank you guys for listening and stay tuned for part two. All right, that is it for today. Now, as you know, some of our best conversations actually happen after the show. So I want you to find me on Instagram at Kimberly Lovey and let me know your thoughts about today's show. You can screenshot this episode and let us know what your biggest takeaway was and tag me at Kimberly Lovey and we can share it on our stories. I will see you again, same time, same place next week.